Now for our second message, we have a sermon from uh, Mr. Barmas Grayson entitled, A New Religion, based on John 13, 4. Mr. Grayson. God, I was not wearing my microphone, and I just wondered whether or not I needed it. So Rick said, no, no. <clears throat> give me that old-time religion, give me that old-time religion, give me that old-time religion, it's good enough for me. Anyone familiar with that song? Perhaps I didn't sing it the right way, the right key. I was probably way off, singing between the cracks and so on. But I've heard that song many times. It's in some, I think, some Protestant hymnals. And uh, the old time religion, you know, the old gospel hour, things of that sort. Even in our uh, maroon book there on page 346, it says, old time power. So what we're going to talk about today is the new, a new religion. What, but first, what is the old-time religion, and what's wrong with the new? So let's begin with this question. What is your religion? First, we need to define a little bit what religion is. Religion is the belief in and the worship of a supernatural being or a superhuman power, a god or, or gods. It also refers to a particular system of beliefs, of faith, and of worship. The word religion derives from the Latin word religio, which means reverence and obligation. So what is your reverence? What is your obligation? There are many religions in the world, as we know, religions of all kinds and some of it has a different styles and the way it's presented to us and different ways in which that religion is spread. We know that most religions like Buddhism and Hinduism and Shintoism and all some of those others are all founded by men thousands of years ago and each of them have today millions of uh, believers. Buddhism, for example, has around 256 million believers, mainly in Southeast Asia and, and the Far East. And there's, uh, you've heard of Confucianism, uh, one of the oldest, founded by the philosopher, I don't know if I can pronounce his name correctly, but it's Kung Fu Tzu, which means Master Kung, and is known by the Latin name of Confucius. And with that particular religion, there's about 175 million, mainly in China and Japan. In Japan, there's a Shintoism, a type of uh, folk religion, but it, uh, all of its ethical principles are derived from uh, Buddhism and also from uh, Confucianism, those uh, two founders that, uh, uh, that introduced that religion. We can spend a lot of time, of course, comparing religions, comparing the differences, exploring the origin of those religions, and looking at some of the similarities. But even among Christianity today, there's a lot of comparisons that can be made in philosophy and, and doctrine and tradition and, and uh, governance. 
So uh, it depends on the locale. It depends on the people. It depends on the culture uh, that uh, is created uh, by the ones that are within the group. Perhaps you've heard of a drive-in church. I heard of one a long time ago over in California where uh, the church, if you didn't want to go inside, you could park out in the parking lot and they have, have these speakers, kind of like you know, a drive-in. You, know, you, know, you just park, put the, put the speaker on your windowsill and you listen to the sermon. I suppose nowadays that you can just turn on your radio like some realtors do. If you uh, go to a certain uh, station, it can describe the house that you're looking at. So there's a lot of ways that uh, uh, Christianity is, uh, or religions, that is, are spread, even Christianity. And we can hear simulcast and uh, live uh, telecast and things that you can uh, just tune in on the internet like what so many are doing today. Today there are New Agers. You've heard of that New Age religion are getting in contact with uh, worshiping the powers or the forces of nature. Sometimes you know, also the belief in occultism, uh, pantheism, and reincarnation. And if you want to, you can you know, g give a tree a hug and absorb all the energy or the power from it. I haven't really seen anyone hug a tree unless you know, trying to keep from being blown away by a storm. I remember one time in Branson, in, it was a very cold autumn day and the weather was overcast and it had rain and so things were pretty cold and we went on this ride where the water just splashed all around you and so you got wet and so I was cold and if you had seen me at that time you'd seen me hugging one of these uh, trash cans because the sun had absorbed all the light so I was absorbing the forces of energy there now the aim of religion is to give people a good way of life and to center it around a God being with authority, which unfortunately sometimes is assumed to be the man or the organization rather than the, the true God. And people have blindly followed certain religious leaders during, doing their bidding to their own destruction and also to their disappointment. But, you know, sometimes when people's beliefs seem a little odd to us, we seem to ask that question, well, what kind of Kool-Aid are you drinking or have you been drinking? And referring to the way that, you know, Jim Jones uh, mixed uh, Kool-Aid drink along with poison uh, to lead his followers to death. So when we look at Christianity, however, it can be seen in a good light, it can be seen in a bad light, depending on how it is exercised or how it is seen by others. In the book of Acts, in chapter 26, we see where Paul is standing before King Agrippa in court. In verse 1, King Agrippa said unto Paul, You're permitted to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched forth a hand and answered for himself. And he said, I think myself happy, Agrippa, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before you, touching all the things whereof I am accused of, of the Jews. So we know that the Jews in the days of early Christianity were questioning the beliefs, persecuting the believers, and also its messengers. Especially, verse 3, especially because I know you to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews, wherefore I beseech you to hear me patiently. 
My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among my own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, you know, uh, which knew me from the beginning. If they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. So Paul belonged to a, a straight or a strict religion uh, or a sect, a, a group or a faction adhering to a particular doctrine. This word straightest means most exact and it's derived from the Greek word akron, the extremity. And this word religion from 2356 and Strong's uh, has to do with uh, a ceremony or ceremonious or pious. So we see Paul is describing a religion that was very exacting and ceremonial and the same word is used in James 126 where it says if any man among you seem to be religious you know, in other words, exacting and ceremonial, but bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. That's because his actions were not congruent with the way uh, that the word reveals. Now let's go to Mark chapter 7 and verse 1. <clears throat> then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. So these, these scribes and these Pharisees, they came from Jerusalem. They went to investigate Christ. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say with unwashing hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands often, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not and many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels and of tables. So this ceremony of washing was done for religious purposes, not for sanitary reasons, but because it was all symbolic of contamination of any vessel perhaps being touched by a Gentile or, or perhaps someone who is defiled even among their own group. So they had this ceremony of washing all vessels because they were going to put it into their mouth or whatever was held in it was the food they were going to eat. So it had to be ceremonially clean and pure and wiped of all in, uh, contamination. So the Pharisees and scribes asked Christ, they said, well, why walk not your disciples according to the tradition of the elders? but eat bread with unwashing hands, you know, food with unwashing hands. Why aren't they following this ceremony? And he answered and said unto them, Well has Isaiah prophesied of you, hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, you know, that's their outward form, but their hearts is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandments, commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. So God was more concerned with the inner man, the heart of man, rather than you know them fiddling around with all these other uh, physical things. Now these Pharisees brought into the true religion 
a kind of show-off religion, an exacting ceremonial one, but like human nature does to everyone, a self-righteous attitude uh, cropped up and uh, was displayed in uh, various outward forms. In verse 10, Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever curses father or mother, let him die the death. But you say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is korban, that is something legally dedicated as a, a gift to God, uh, a gift by whatsoever you might be profited by me, he shall be free. In other words, this uh, saying it was korban legally excluded the parents uh, from any part of that gift. And verse 12, and you suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you have delivered, and many such like things do you. So they were looking at this old commandment, and they were going very strict by it, uh, misinterpreting it. The Pharisees had the word of God. They knew the law. They knew the commandments. And in regard to that, Christ, you know, would later say, Whosoever, whatsoever they bid you do, that do, but, but don't do after them. We know that the Apostle Paul was led by Christ into a new religion, into a true religion, in contrast to the way that he was being observant in, that he was adhering to, that he was uh, supporting. Galatians 1, chapter uh, 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle, and he says, Not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. You know, we see a lot in uh, verse 4 that Christ gave himself for our wrongdoings. He gave himself for our sins, and we know that sin, unrepented of, will bring about death. That he, and also, uh, he came that he might deliver us from this evil world. When you have time to think about it, or when you think about it, you can look around and see all of the evil that is in the world. And Christ's purpose was to deliver us from the present evil of the world, according to the will of God and our Father. And then Paul says, to whom be glory forever and ever Amen, or so be it. Then he says in verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and, and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So, you know, Paul is uh, looked at or he's being accused of, you know, shaving down the truth or, or watering down the truth. And, and in verse 8, Paul says, but though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So there is probably that possibility that an angel, some sort of being, if that angel was to preach any other gospel than what they had heard, that what was preached, 
let him be accursed. And he says it again in verse 9, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So the religion of the Pharisees was to seek approval by men by, uh, by show, to show that they are in line with tradition and belief of their religious dress or their ceremonies. But, verse 11, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it by the rev uh, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And in verse 13 we see, for you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion. Now, this word uh, religion is from 2854, and it means a cake, uh, a poultice, or, or plaster like a soothing ointment or an eye salve. How that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion. That is another uh, uh, definition for religion, 2454, uh, the Jewish faith or a system, their system of beliefs. Above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my father. So Paul was familiar with Judaism of the Pharisees, but he came to see that it had faults, that it had weaknesses, and that it had errors. But verse 15, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood or men, or you know, or their traditions. He didn't uh, seek to win uh, men's approval. So Christ brought a different religious message not based on human tradition. He brought a new covenant, a change in religious expectation. In the book of Matthew chapter 5, or chapter 15, down in verse 6, continuing that thought that we uh, just had, had read. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. It is a gift by uh, whatsoever you might be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Once again, we see where, verse 7, you hypocrites. Well, the desires prophesy of you, saying, this people draws close to me, or nigh unto me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So what is, you know, our religion? Is how close are we? Are we close to God in our religion? Or do we in vain worship, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men? Let's go through, uh, drop down to chapter 23 in the book of Matthew. Chapter 23. Verse 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to the disciples. Just as he speaks to us today because these are living words. Verse 2, saying, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. This seat was a stone seat in the front of the first synagogue, of the, in the first century, uh, where the teacher of the law sat in answer to questions and other uh, things that might come up. 
And he said in verse 3, All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but don't do after their works, for they say and do not. They knew the scriptures, they knew the law, they recited it perfectly, but they, uh, that's because they studied it. But they were doing differently than what the scripture says. Because in verse 4, they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do, that's the reason for to be seen of men. And they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. And all of these were worn to impress the people around them, the people that saw all of these things, to see that, hey, these are really religious people. And to love and love the uppermost rooms at feasts, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But he said, Be not you called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all you are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. And all of this, you know, is applied in a religious sense. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. So we see that there is some warning here about, about hierarchy, where you know, being someone can lead to the pride that condemn the Pharisees. He that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. So we see teachings that are quite new because uh, the doctrines that Christ spoke, he spoke with authority. And then he said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go, uh, to go in. Let's drop on down to verse 23. One to ye scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay the tithe of men and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. The weightier matters of the law, judgment and mercy and faith. These ought you to have done and not to leave the other undone. You blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. And verse uh, 27, oh, 26, you blind Pharisees, Cleanse first that which is inside the cup, or within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may, all, may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. As many times as Christ used that word, hypocrites. You know, it must have stung each time these religious Pharisees heard that word. Verse 28, Even so you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. So we can ask ourselves, what is our religion? For here in this last verse, we two th see two things that can taint our faith and our beliefs, hypocrisy and iniquity. And like the Pharisees, instead of looking to Christ and his teachings, the rulers of Christ's day, they looked to their own tradition, their ceremonies that had been ingrained into them 
as a right way to go, the old-time religion, so to speak. But looking ahead today, if we go to the book of Ezekiel now, in chapter 33, he's speaking of, uh, of church gores. In verse, uh, let's start with verse 27. Verse 27. Say you thus unto them, Ezekiel, thus says the Lord God, as I live, surely they that are in the waste shall fall by the sword, and him that is in the open field will I give to the beast to be devoured. And they that be in the forts and in the caves shall die of the pestilence. For I will lay the land mo most desolate, and the pomp of her strength shall cease, and the mountains of Israel shall be desolate that none shall pass through. Then shall they know that I am the Lord. When I have laid the land most desolate because of all their abominations which they have committed, also the Son of Man, the children of your people, still are talking against you by the walls and in the doors of the houses, and speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that comes forth from the Lord. And they come unto you as the people cometh, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear the words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goes after covetousness. And lo, you are unto them as a very lovely song of one that has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear your words, but they do not do them. So they had a regular practice of, of going to the prophet to sit down and, and to listen uh, to his word. But uh, his... Uh, eloquent speech was what they came to hear. For them it was their their entertainment. I suppose there's you know a lot of ways to hold a person's interest because there's only so much you know uh, listening and and hearing uh, someone's voice speak that you know we can stand. Uh, you've got to say some things that you know will hold people and give them the point of the message. Sometimes it may be said at the beginning of the sermon, at the end of the sermon, in the middle of the sermon, and sometimes you already know where a sermon's going, and you get it all figured out. Uh, so my wife said to me this morning, she said to be sure to say something to keep me awake. And uh, so I said, uh, there's one thing about my speaking, and it's that people wake up greatly refreshed. <laughs> but if I have to, I'll come down and throw a fish in your lap. <laughs> so what is our religion? What are we, uh, you know, coming to glean from, from the Word of God? Sometimes it may be just one little idea, one little thing that you take away from all the words that are spoken that kind of has an impact. What is our religion? Is it not to hear the word of God and to take it to heart? Christ's disciples, you know, were first called Christians in Antioch. And if we go to uh, Acts 26 now, there is a belief system that we as Christians take note of today. Acts 26. This is what makes our religion uh, the aim of good. Acts 26, verse 13. At midday... O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining around about me and them which journeyed with me. 
You know, he's on his way to do some persecution of Christians. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew time, Saul, Saul, why persecute you me? It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. So this persecution, you know, done to people was actually persecution against Christ, against the faith that he was revealing. Now when we look at those particular scriptures, we can see where Christ has revealed himself to us each in different ways. There's a, if you think back to the way uh, uh, this new religion, this religion that is based upon the old, how Christ uh, revealed himself to us. May not have been like, you know, the bright light from heaven and to hear the voice. And in verse 16, but rise and stand upon your feet for I have appeared unto you for this purpose. So there was a purpose in all this. For you to be a minister and a witness, both of these things which you have seen and of those things in which I will appear unto you. So we see that in this appearing, not only was uh, that revelation made, there was given to us a purpose. That's part of our religion, that's part of our faith, that Christ has given us a purpose. Verse 17, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So this is the other thing that we can glean from uh, these aims for our good, that there is forgiveness, that there is inheritance for those who are set apart, apart by faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 19, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. And so we look upon that as one of the aims of our religion, that repentance and turning to God and doing his will is in order that we do in our life. Verse 21, for these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. So we see the promise of a resurrection uh, to life. We also see how Paul endured the persecution and continued with the message that he had been delivered with. Thus he spake for himself, uh, and as he thus spoke for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're beside yourself. Much learning does make you mad. And he may have wondered whose Kool-Aid are you drinking? But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knows of these things, before whom I also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. 
King Agrippa, believe you the prophets? I know you believe. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost you persuade me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all that hear me this day. So, and that is what our religion is about, to make an impact, to let the truth fall uh, where it may as, uh, you know, as seeds that are planted. Old time religion began a long time ago. In Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command you this day for your good. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13 we hear see the scripture here's the conclusion here the conclusion of the whole matter Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So we can see why we need to have a lot of respect for the word of God and, and, and to do those things that are right in his sight. But the way the world is going, sometimes you get caught up in that flow. You've got to find a way out of it. Mark 12, chapter 12, Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's, you know, that's, that's our religion. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. So these are a lot of things that one must, you know, have the strength in to find to do all of this. And sometimes we might let uh, one little uh, uh, word slip. We might have, a, <clears throat> we might love the Lord our God, but maybe not with all of our heart or with all of our uh, body or our mind or our strength. But the second is like, namely this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's one other commandment greater there is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, you have said the truth. For there is one God, and there is another, another but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, to love his neighbor as himself. This is, uh, that is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So that's our religion. That's our belief. There are many examples of faith among uh, characters in the Bible, Enoch, Abraham, Daniel, Moses. But I'd like to turn to one in particular in Luke chapter 2 and in verse 36. And there was one, Hannah, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Aser. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayer day and night. Fastings and prayer. Sometimes when you hear of someone who is really enduring some problem that you know of, uh, you know we may pray for them. 
But we also sometimes need to consider that fasting should go along with that prayer. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So she had a part in fulfilling the religion that she believed in and that she trusted. So what about our religion? Many changes in religion develop slowly over time. Some are good, some are not, and you know, time will tell. In Mark chapter 2, let's go back to chapter 2, verse 21. Verse 21, no man also sews a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else that new piece that filled it, uh, filled it up takes away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man puts new wine into old bottles, else the new wine does burst in the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles. That's because the old skins could no longer stretch. And new wine, and uh, that with the, you know, the, the seal to the carbon that could expand and cause the skins to, bur to burst. They can't hold the new wine. And it's like me sometimes. There's new ideas, changes, things that sometimes my old skin just, you know, it just can't hold it all without bursting, you know. But we see that new skins stretch to, uh, you know, meet the human needs of the day. According, of course, according to the will of God and his word. So at this season, we're told to examine ourselves let a man examine himself, it says. Do we judge or maybe misjudge others? Do we worship idols? Do we ignore the commandments and compromise ourselves in different ways? In the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 13, in verse 5, it says, To examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves? how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Mark 8, verse 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. You ever forget to buy bread? You know, sometimes you leave it on your counter and you look for the bread, you might find a few crumbs in it, you might find a heel in it or something. And, you know, that's sometimes the number one thing on the list. You know, it's got to be maybe Roman meal or whatever, no white bread, of course, like some people believe. But <clears throat> I'll eat any kind of bread mostly. But bread is usually at the top of the list, but they had forgotten to take bread. You know, the, the staple, the bread of life. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. Is that what he meant? Is that what he said? Is, because, is that why he's saying we to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees? And when Jesus knew it, he said unto them, Why reason you because you have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand? Have you your hearts yet hardened? Are you, because of, you know, just 
not taking in the word, thinking about it, failing to discern the spiritual. Verse 18, having eyes, see you not, you got eyes, having ears, hear you not, and do you not remember? So he was giving them spiritual insight about, you know, avoiding false teachings, of course, uh, even forgetfulness and skepticism, because before that time, there was the miracle of the 4,000, the bread that was given, uh, the food that was given to them. And for some reason, he said, and don't you remember? And also he said to beware of, uh, of the leaven of Herod, indicating, you know, influential rulers. So in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6 and th uh, 7, this is about, you know, the overlooking sin that was in the midst of the Corinthian church. Your glory is not good, he said. Know ye not that a little leaven leavens a whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So that's the danger if you uh, allow leaven to exist, that it's only going to grow in the body and also in the individual. Verse 8, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And we could underline where it says, keep the feast with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. You know, doing the will of God in, uh, with all your heart and so on. Now no one is perfect, so we need Jesus Christ and the love of the Father made that possible for us to have salvation for each one of us. He's our advocate, perpetuation for our sins. In him we are covered by his love for each and every one of us through his sacrifice and his shed blood. And in the time to come, there will be a resurrection to life, to the truth, and to the love of God. Christ is our advocate. He's there for us. Uh, my wife was telling me that, Carolyn, uh, she was telling me that uh, she was, you know, babysitting her grandson, Adam, and uh, she bought uh, him one of, a drink from Sonic. I guess it was one of those blue, blue drinks. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> I was thinking about that fish a while ago. That's why I paused there. Because <laughs> she's batting her eyes at me. Uh, that he had spilled his drink on, on the carpet. And it, you know, it's a new carpet. And so it uh, panicked him. He said, oh, no, my parents are going to be mad. And so she helped him clean it up. And not only did she help him clean it up, you know, she, she told uh, his mom and dad what he had done. But, you know, that's the way Christ is. We are not perfect. We spill things, and, uh, but we always have help from each other and especially help from Jesus Christ. So our trust is in Christ who gave his life for us that we might live, and that's, that's our religion. Greater love has no man than that that he laid down his life for his friend. Together, we're disciples in the true religion. Together, we are preparing an ark. Are you still working on your ark? There's a lot of lessons that one can take from Noah's building of an ark. One is, don't miss the boat. 
The second is, we're all in the same boat. The third, we must plan ahead. You know, it wasn't raining when he started building the ark. Four is to keep fit. Noah was 600 years old, and who knows what, you know, what we might be asked to do in later life, maybe something big. Five, don't let critics hinder your job. Six, build your future on high ground. And for safety's sake, travel in pairs. And number eight, speed isn't always an advantage. There were turtles and cheetahs on board together. And number nine, no matter the storm, when you are with God, there's always a rainbow waiting. In the book of John, chapter 13, closing scripture here, if, you, uh, if this is all you take from this message, verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another.